0: Welcome back to Humans of Purpose where we bring you weekly conversations with purpose-driven leaders Each week I'll ask our guests the big questions on our minds and we'll learn about their career life journey purpose and social impact goals whether they are leaders of ethical business philanthropy social enterprise startups or not for profits we'll discover a unique and valuable perspective
1: fact that I met so many incredible Tanzanians that were just like me. They wanted to make a difference, uh, except they didn't have an access to doing that like I did.
0: Welcome back to the pod and great to have you with us. Those were the wise words of co-founder and director at Monochrome Coffee and community manager at The Hub, Whitney Teluk. Whitney has got an amazing story, and it all starts with her trip to Tanzania. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but I will say I learnt a lot about coffee, entrepreneurship, uh, personal growth, and goal-setting throughout this episode. So it was a pleasure having Whitney on the pod. We've also got quite a funny meeting story that you'll get to know. Since our 100th episode party, we've been inundated with some requests for those wonderful Humans of Purpose Frank Green Cups. Now, we don't have any left to give out, but rest assured, we'll be running some comps later in the year where you can win one of those cups. And who knows, if we get enough interest, then we might do another big run of cups. The other thing we're looking at is potentially doing more Humans of Purpose merch. So if uh, you would like a tote bag or something similar, uh, let us know what you've got in mind. Email deeds at hello at purposeful.com.au and share your thoughts. Quick heads up that we have booked in our next live podcast date – that'll be the 21st of March in the CBD probably at about 6pm and that's going to be with Nat Kiriaku, who's the founder and CEO of My Green World and that's one of my favourite people and previous podcast guests, and we'll be talking about tech, conservation, being a young entrepreneur for Nat anyway, and many more topics. So do come along. I'm going to refine the format a little bit, and probably just um, instead of doing dinner and drinks, we'll get uh, have a little drink before and then get straight into the action for about an hour, and then have a little bit of um, a drink afterwards and chat about that session with Nat. As this is going to be at a more intimate venue and setting, we're going to limit seating to just 20 tickets or seats, so if you are interested, jump straight into the show notes, click on the link, and uh, you'll see that we've switched across to Humanetics as well from Eventbrite, which is very exciting, um, and if you're ever thinking of doing that, it's great because the founder of Humanetics actually calls you on the phone and tells you that you're you know, very welcome to the service, so that was um, very novel for me too and quite exciting. So, without further ado, I uh, hope you enjoyed today's pod, and I hope to see you at our live podcast soon. So, I am really thrilled to welcome Whitney Telluk to the podcast. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm awesome. Thank you so much.
0: I'm really chuffed you could join me.
1: Ah, uh, thank you. I'm yeah. I feel very, very privileged to be here.
0: I like our meeting story, particularly uh, the Meag- the Megan Markle party, as I, I call it. I know.
1: I know it was um quite unique circumstances yeah. wasn't it <laughs> good, place,
0: good place to make friends on am discovering I had a fair few meetings of people that day who have since picked up with and um particularly interested because when you told me you work in coffee and you also work mm-hmm. at the hub and in social enterprise mm. I was like this lady is all my things that I like combining
1: oh thank like, you all the stuff
0: you're into I love
1: mm. um, me too
0: well, clearly. So, <laughs> your mix is fascinating. You are the co-founder and um, director at Monochrome Coffee. Mm-hmm. You work as community manager at the Hub. Mm-hmm. Take me into your journey to both of those places.
1: Oh wow! Um, in your own
0: way and time.
1: So, well, I'll talk about Monochrome first because sure. that bit that bit came first. Um, yeah, basically, I so I I grew up in a um, on a cattle station. In far northwest Queensland, which is, uh, you know, quite, I guess, different. Um, and I it was a very small town, 700 people. You know, I was out with my family on a on a cattle station, 50,000 acres, um, 30 k's from town. And so somehow when I was about 14, I got this, this like dream that I wanted to somehow make a difference in the world. I can't really remember how...
0: It it's came in. It's minor details, not so.
1: Well, you know. I can't remember how. Like obviously I saw something or I, I read something or I'm, you know, was influenced by something. I wish I could remember what I don't know what. Um, but I really wanted to just do something that would make a difference to to people in some way. Didn't know how. Anyway, so I didn't really do anything about that um, until I was 18. Um, and Which is only
0: four years later, by the way, so it's not like you sat in it forever and didn't
1: yeah, do nothing. Yeah, it kind of um yeah, I think for me I like I tell my mum everything, especially when I was, you know, a young girl and but I didn't tell her this thing. And it was always kind of like, Oh, why haven't I told my mum? But I realised that I was just really scared that I wouldn't be able to make this difference that I wanted to make. Um and so that's why I didn't tell anyone I didn't, that's why I didn't do anything about it. Anyway, so then when I was um when I was about to finish school, I did this really awesome um, leadership program. And it was in that program where I realized that I wanted to do this thing and I'd been suppressing that, um, that, you know, commitment and that, that want to make a difference. And so I went home and told my parents, Hey, I want to, I want to do something. I don't know what it is, but I want to do something that makes it makes some kind of difference. And so I um, ended up deciding I would go and do some volunteering. And so I um, went over to Tanzania, like a lot of young people do. Um, and I spent uh, six weeks teaching in a rural care centre.
0: How come Tanzania?
1: So I only knew two people in my whole world that had been to anywhere in Africa. As I said, small town, not a lot of diversity. Um, And so one of those people was my dad. He'd been to Zimbabwe in the 80s because he um, represented Australia for riding horses and equestrian. Um, And and so he was like, no, you're not going to Zimbabwe because he was like, ah, that's like (laughs) terrifying. And his memories of, of Zimbabwe was like, you know not, not, he didn't want his 18 year old daughter going there. Um, and then the other person was this girl who I kind of knew, not really, you know, from school. And I saw, um, that she had done some volunteering. And so I just messaged her and I said, Hey, um, I saw that you did this thing. I don't know if you remember me, but, um, how, how did you, how did you, you know, what did you do, where'd you go, how'd you do it? And she sent me back a really amazing message um, with a bunch of suggestions and kind of just giving me that last bit of confidence to actually book something. Yeah. And she, she had been to Tanzania, so I thought, okay, I'll go there. Um, and it was this really cool experience because I, I'd never been overseas before um, and when I landed in Tanzania, it was actually a very strange experience because it looked the The landscape looked so similar to where I grew up. I was like, "Are you kidding? I've come all the the way across like the other side of the world, and now it looks like (laughs) bloody Richmond, which is the town that I you know grew up near in um in Queensland. No, not Hipster Coffee Richmond. (laughs) Richmond. Yeah, very different Richmond. (laughs) Um. Anyway, so I landed there and was like, you know, I, um was picked up by the, the volunteer organization that I went with. And this, this gorgeous man, Michael, picked me up and he was just like, welcome to Africa. And I was like, oh my God, this is really cool. Anyway, so spent six weeks there. And I guess what I was really struck by was the fact that I met so many incredible Tanzanians that were just like me. They wanted to make a difference, uh, except they didn't have an access to doing that like I did, mm. um, but you know, purely because of where I had grown up and, and being in Australia. And, you know, that's more of an option for us to think about, hey, what purpose is, what's my purpose? What yeah. what am I going to do? How am I going to make a difference? Whereas, you know.
0: In Africa you wouldn't have thought that stuff can happen as much.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's just a lot of it is based more around just like
0: Survival, Fulfilling the basic needs. Exactly. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I was really struck by these amazing young people. And um, anyway, so then my trip ended and I was like, well, I can't just, you know, I don't want to just like have this stop now. Um, anyway, so I came back to Australia, and um, the the group of of children that I was teaching, I really wanted to work with them and their families and the community to ensure that they went to a really great school in Tanzania, um, because in uh, in in Tanzania, there's 80% of kids attend primary school, but then only 20% um, attend high school, mm. so there's a massive drop off um, due to a bunch of different a bunch of different reasons, but um, the main one is that uh, all the kids have to sit these really hectic national exams and if you don't pass the exams in year seven, you don't get to go to high school. Oh, right. So it's really important that they have a, um, a, a robust primary school education. Mm. Otherwise, they, if they don't pass these exams, that's the end of their, their formal education. So yeah, we sent these. Um, the, a year later, I went back and then started looking for a school that we would partner with and um, found a really, really amazing school called Haradali, and um, they had a 100% success rate of their students going from primary school to high school. So wow. I didn't, I hadn't seen any other school that, that had those results. Yep. So I thought, okay, good. This is, this is the one.
0: What do you think was in the special source there?
1: Um, Yeah, that's a good question. The school director um, a amazing man called Simon Severua, I, he's just like this incredible human and has a huge vision, huge, huge commitment to, um, you know, the the young people in his country and I think that's really um, they've done a few things differently I guess to other schools but I don't, I don't know, to be honest, it's just a lot of love, a lot of love and um, they have some of the best teachers um, that are also, you know, Definitely aligned with mm. Simon's vision. So, yeah. Um, so that's how that bit started, mm-hmm. and then we started doing work with parents as well, and. Um, we do this work with parents who have kids in school, um, but those parents have, been, have never been to school themselves. So there's kind of big gaps between what the parents see as possible for their kids' yep. lives versus what the kids see as possible for their lives sure. after they go to this amazing school and get told they can do anything. Mm. They go home, they're like, Mom, Dad, I want to be an astronaut, I want to be a <laughs> doctor, a teacher. And the parents are like, Oh, my God, what is happening to my child? <laughs> they're like, No, you got to be a, you got to be a, you know, a run a run a farm or run a small shop yep. in town or you know it's just it's just different for them it's it's like the the concept of being in a classroom is like crazy to them <laughs> so we run these cool seminars with the parents to kind of just you know dispel all of those myths and deal with their concerns around that so that's really an amazing program that I'm super super proud of. We run that program to 400 parents across East Africa. So it's
0: incredible. Mm-hmm. So you, you're doing that, yeah. and then how does coffee come into the picture?
1: Yeah. So sorry, I'm rambling on a bit. No, just, it's all good. We I love, love hearing about
0: Tanzania. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's my favorite place. Um, so yeah, so we do that work. So we so we get these these um, 25 amazing children into school. We start working with their families. Um, we start working with uh, and awesome friend of mine, Henry, who is, he becomes our impact lead and manages all of the, all those relationships with the, with the school, with the parents, um, goes and checks on the kids, all that kind of stuff. Um, and he's, he's Tanzanian and, um, and then kind of two, three years into running Monochrome International. I don't think I even said the name of the organization. Anyway, that's (laughs) what we called it. Um,
0: we'll get in the intro, don't worry.
1: Yeah, (laughs) great. Um, and so, was running this this not-for-profit and I was, you know, 21, had been running this organisation for a couple of years and I was getting really tired of asking people for money for nothing and I felt like I was this 60-year-old, like, you know, jaded woman walking around um, in life being like, nothing is ever going to work. Like, <laughs> nothing comes this easy, This is so it. hard. Like I can't keep asking. <laughs> Why must my, it be
0: so difficult yeah. if you're 21? <laughs> and I'm
1: like, and then my parents are, uh, sorry, my friends are all like just, you know, doing whatever they were doing. And I'm like, oh, Alive. Anyway, so I'm like, Did okay. Did you walk
0: around with a hunch? I feel like you were hunching during this period. No, I don't
1: know. Maybe it hadn't gotten to that point yet. But I um, sort of started thinking, okay, we need to do things a little bit differently because this, for me, is not sustainable, yeah. and also just it wasn't. I just didn't see how we could sustain that. Mm. Um, anyway, then I watched an amazing TED talk called "The Way We Think About Charity Is Dead Wrong." by Dan Paletta, actually mm. my friend Felicity, who you know, she suggested I watch that.
0: Yes, a mutual mate. She's a star.
1: Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Shout out to Felicity. Um, <laughs> and so I watched this TED Talk and I it just totally shifted my mindset around the work that I was doing yep. and around how this could be done. So then I started thinking, okay, now we need to run, we need to have a business. There needs to be something that is valuable, yep. that people want, that we sell hmm. that, and they get value from, and then we use the the those funds yeah. to, to to fund the work that we're doing to to exponentially grow the impact and also um be financially sustainable. So anyway, so I'm like, okay, what's this business? What's this business going to be? Gonna sell something? What's it going to be? Um, and you know, my parents have always run businesses together, so it kind of was like, um. Not like a super new concept to me, the idea of running a business, Mm -hmm. but I had never run a bit like, you know, a commercial.
0: How to actually do it is different. Yeah,
1: yeah. So so I'm like, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Anyway, so I was talking to Hendry and I was like, Hendry, what are we going to do? Like these kids, they're in school. We want to keep them in school. We need more more money. What are we going to do? And he's like, Whitney? I think monochrome should sell coffee. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, no, 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 something easier than that. And he's like, no, no, I just want us to sell lots of coffee so we can sponsor lots of children. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I Henry like-
0: was way ahead of the curve. Oh, my
1: gosh. Well, he, he had been working in the coffee industry Ooh, for about okay. five years. And that's very
0: common. Tanzania has quite a big coffee industry. Yes, yep. it's one of
1: their largest exports. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he knew a lot more about coffee than me at that time I was drinking like a soy latte or something. So I was like, really not that interested in coffee. Um, anyway, so then I'm like, okay, let's do this coffee thing. That sounds like it could work. It kind of fits in with the narrative mm. because we can get coffee from, we can import coffee from Tanzania and yep. then, you know, the, local, exactly, local. Yep. exactly. So, um, so yeah, then we started figuring out that, how it works, how you get coffee from these areas of the world. And, yeah, I learned a lot, very steep learning curve. So that um, must
0: be a very deep, trusting relationship with Henry mm, over there. Too. Oh, my gosh. back that in and kind of you, yeah. went, you went straight into it.
1: Yes, I trust him so much. He's Yeah, he's incredible and I would not at all be able to do like anything that we do without him. Um, yeah, he's an incredible human being and um, –
0: and Matt's with you yeah. as well in the business, your yeah, husband.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is around the same time that um, I, yeah, met my husband and we, he luckily had a background in law, which is very helpful, De- definitely um, not my skill set. <laughs> and so he was ended up kind of doing a lot with me when I was sort of like toying with this idea. And so, yeah, when, the, when we eventually started the business, we were like, okay, hey, we're doing this together. Yeah, so um, then Monochrome Coffee was born.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. Talk to us about the name.
1: So monochrome, um, we called Monochrome International, Monochrome International, because a lot of people think monochrome just means black and white, Mm. Um, but it actually means many shades of one colour. So it can be many shades of pink, blue, green, whatever. Um, And for me, that's really how I see the human race. You know, we're all many, many different shades, shapes, sizes, backgrounds, but ultimately we are all the same. We're all one, we're all just, you know, slightly different versions. Um, And that really is the, yeah, I guess I just kind of liked that concept and I
0: that's a beautiful I, message, yeah. sentiment about
1: humanity. Mm, mm. That's sort of, I guess, my vision for people is that we that we get that we are, you know, there's not really much of much of a difference when it all boils down to yeah. what we all really care about. So, do you get asked mm. that
0: often about the the meaning behind monochrome?
1: Um, you start at the beginning. A lot of people ask at the beginning, but now I think because. The coffee co logo is like a zebra. (laughs) I think I don't know, people
0: It looks like a zebra. Yeah, yeah. Is it's a zebra? Yeah, the little
1: the little yeah, the little zebra head. So yeah. So people don't ask me as much anymore, but mm.
0: so I mean, we talked about Felicity earlier, but I'm curious as to the impact or the kind of Mm. momentum that it gives you having friends that are sort of going through similar pathways because you know you guys are very close friends from you're both from Brisbane originally yeah come down to Melbourne mm. and being in that kind of not-for-profit social enterprise track and wanting to change the world but having each other to bounce back mm. and forth from do you have a lot of people in your life like that and also what kind of influence does that have on your journey
1: yeah I have I do have a lot of people like that in my life now um when yeah when I was originally kind of starting Monochrome International I didn't have anyone I was doing that, and a lot of my friends just thought it was a bit weird, mm. and they sort of were like, "Why are you doing this thing? Like, why do you, why do you care about these people?" Yep. Um, and so, you know, sort of quickly realised that perhaps that's not the the people that I want to be around. And Felicity was kind of the first, my first friend that I had that was also running an organization, uh, a purpose-driven organization. And so, yeah, I got to learn a lot from her, but it was really when I moved to Melbourne that I um, started to, um, yeah, meet a lot a lot more social entrepreneurs because, I mean, there's just a lot more here in Melbourne. Mm, mm. I had never really even heard of what a social enterprise was before I moved to Melbourne because mm. I was in Brisbane and um, yeah, this was like three and a half years ago. So it's just a smaller space there, but yeah, now having so many amazing, um, you know, friends and, and just people in, I guess my network, it really, um, I am inspired by so many people that I am like hanging out with or catching up with. And, um, it's always, yeah, it always pushes me to, uh, I guess like assess how I'm going, not like comparing, but like, oh, wow, like, you know, if they can do that, then I can do then I can do that.
0: Well, I think that's right. And they mm. always say that you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm. So if you spend time with people who don't believe that they can do things, mm. um, then you're going to have quite a uh, limited uh, mindset as to what you could achieve.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: It's like that other expression, you know, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right.
1: Mm. <laughs> which I love. Yes, yeah, that's awesome.
0: And I think you know, people yeah. like Felicity, having them around you, where they're blue sky thinkers. Mm. You know, they do really shoot for the stars. Is such a good kind of yeah. way to progress in what you do.
1: Yeah, and also with uh, Matt and I, he, um, yeah, like I just can't get away with anything <laughs> with him. He's like,
0: oh, he's the bit like, he's the rationalist.
1: No I well he's definitely is the rationalist but um but as in he just holds me to account to such oh, yeah, a yeah, yeah. high high it. level yeah. and you know um he I just I just love getting to run a business with him it's really amazing and I um, I didn't really know that I wanted that in, in my life partner until he was like, I want to run a business with you. And I was like, oh, okay, let's do that. <laughs> like, that's amazing. It's like there's marriage um, and
0: then there's running a business together. Like, which one is more serious commitment? It's big. Like, yeah. It's like layering yeah, well, on Yeah, we ran commitment. a business
1: together before we were married. Sure, so sure. Before we even decided we would get married. So um yeah, it's just really, really fun doing that. And I think um,
0: that everyone I'm, should do that. They should try and run a business mm, together before they or, get married. Or
1: some kind of project. Yeah. Like yeah, I guess for a lot of couples, probably planning their weddings like the first project. So it's
0: like running a micro business. Yeah. A very uh, mm. poor business model. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a terrible business. model. You always model. lose. Oh, my God. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm very, very inspired by Matt. Um, yeah, just his his level of integrity and discipline is like, blows me away. And, um, yeah, that's, I guess that's, that's what I mean when I'm like, I can't get away with anything. Yeah, if yeah. I'm being like a bit shit, I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to know. <laughs> <laughs> I need to like, you know, he always thinks I'm amazing. So I have to do that. Otherwise he'll be like, what are you doing? That's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> You're being less amazing today. What's going on? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's awesome. So, I mean, a lot of people have wanted to do social enterprises. Very mm. few have done them successfully. Mm. What have you learned about your journey given that, you know, with that model, they say that it's hard enough to run a business that survives a year mm. or even beyond its first inception, and then it's really hard to run a successful not-for-profit, mm. but to do them layered on top of each other is, you know, a really tough challenge. So what have you learned? In-
1: I think that um, the yeah, I've learned that it's just so important to be clear on like why you're doing stuff. I mean, it sounds kind of simple, but I mean, it is simple, but it's really, really important. Sometimes that gets missed, um, especially. Yeah, I think entrepreneurs mostly are extroverted, maybe not mostly, but a lot of them are, and a, a lot of them, a lot of the time, it can become about the entrepreneur rather than the the venture. Yeah, um, and so I. Yeah, I think that's really important, like, to think about, okay, how does this exist With if, if I was to get hit by a bus tomorrow, mm. how would this actually work mm. um, and would it still exist without me? Um, so, yeah, making sure that there's that really, really clear purpose and vision and, like, reason for existence um, and making sure that that is authentic and that is about other people. Um. And then what else have I learned? So you've
0: got clarity of mission and knowing mm. why you're doing things mm. and having a, a strong sense of purpose, I suppose.
1: Yeah, because I just think that obviously is going to um, help guide your decisions and yep. at the beginning there's so many decisions to make about, you know, your product or oh. your your theory of change or your, your logo or yep. your website or who you're going to work with. And so having that clarity um, to... Yeah, just help guide those decisions. Really, really Hmm. makes a difference. Um,
0: Maybe we'll we'll come back to the other ones. I might just pivot a little bit and ask you about the decision to. You know, are you working part time at Hub at the same time? Yes, I work full time -time at Hub. Hub.
1: Yeah, and how I how I found out about Hub is when I when I moved to Melbourne. um, I had a friend that was working in coffee, and he was a member at Hub. the co-working space in Sydney, and he was like, you've got to go to Hub when you go to Melbourne. And I was like, okay. And so I didn't know anyone in Melbourne, so I thought, okay, well, I've got to meet people. And I went to Hub and I was like, oh, my gosh, these people are all like doing yeah. amazing all stuff. are like basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you know, I – at that point, I left Brisbane and and before I left Brisbane, I was still kind of hanging out with those friends that were like, Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. This is weird. And so I kind of just thought that was like normal for your friends to think that. And then I met all these people at Hub and they were like, That's so great. Like, tell me more about what you're doing. And they're like, I'm doing this thing. And and they were like, This bit sucks. And I'm like, I failed and I did this. <laughs> and I was like, oh wow, they actually like understand. Yeah. Anyway, so I remember at Hub, loved it. And then yeah, I was starting monochrome coffee and um Yeah, realized that I still really needed to work, Um, but I wanted to work somewhere where I was going to learn, where I was going to um, be with people I really care about and where I would still get to um, experience making a difference. And so Hub was hiring and I um, applied and I got, um, I originally started there as a space lead, which is more like facilities type stuff, and then moved into the community lead role um, in July last year. Yeah, so it's really awesome. It's like the perfect place for me to be, other than monochrome.
0: Well, mm. and that's the ideal position to be in. Mm. How does it all fit together for you, lifestyle wise? And do you think you could have um, done as well in monochrome without a well-fitting kind of support job, almost?
1: Um. Yeah i I don't know. I probably not. But also I do I do know that I kind of set it up with them like, hey, I do a lot outside yep. of work. You know, well, yep. if I am to get this job, like I do a lot yep. outside of this.
0: Which is a very and, important conversation I think to yeah. have up front these days because everyone is doing a lot but I think most people are too scared to share that.
1: Mm. And one of the things that dur- during my interview process, our um, founder and CEO, Brad Krauskopf, he um, so one of the, you know, um, interview rounds was a a catch up with him. Um, And he was like, look, the people that we hire are most, a lot of people here are actually doing things on the side. And he shared that his commitment is that people that work at Hub, um, that Hub is their, their last job because he wants everyone that works at Hub to get everything that they need to be able to go run their own thing. And I was like, that is really cool. I like this. Um, And so I think when I had that chat with him, I was like, yeah, this is definitely a good decision because I'd never actually worked full-time before. So I thought, oh my God, how am I going to work full-time and still run monochrome? Um, But yeah, it it was definitely an awesome decision and I just learn so much there. And I know a lot of amazing people in um, the business world in Melbourne because of that, because I'm like talking to them all day, every day. And um, yeah, it's a really, really, really amazing place to work and I love it a lot. So yeah, the, at the moment I'm like, I don't even want to leave. So even if Monochrome was kind of going gangbusters, don't really know if, um, if Matt and I would Decide to leave our full-time work, mm-hmm. or, or actually is hire another person. In his job as well. Yes, he is. So, so he's what's he doing? he's full-time at PwC. Yeah, um, he's in a team called the Skills Reform Unit, and so they are, yeah, working to reform the vocational education sector. And they're cool. working with the Department of Education. So he's also super passionate about education. And
0: um, it, he's he's yeah. a uh, legal refugee, as I call them. So not not yes. actually, yeah, you know, we've fled the law yes. to some degree.
1: <laughs> yeah, he started in the corporate tax team Yeah, and then kind of quickly realised that was not.
0: Did he gonna, have a similar like yeah. purpose kind of shift to what you did? Like was he, because you said he was in corporate tax and then obviously he's moved mm. into an area where he wants to make more difference or create more change. And
1: I think that he, um, he was very interested in politics mm. when I first met him. Mm. Um, but the mentality was kind of like I'll do that when I'm, you know have had a career yeah kind of that mentality of like oh, i need life experience i've got to do stuff and then i can contribute um anyway and then he met me Well, that's not the euthanasia
0: uh, <laughs> at all it's the, they're complete opposite
1: yeah yeah so i think then i sort of started to challenge him on like well no like you can do something now um you can do something now. So what's it gonna be? And then, you know, that was a um some really cool stuff that we got to discover together. And um I think that's kind of how it shifted is that he realized that he didn't have to slog it out in some job that he didn't really like that he might get paid really well for. Yeah. Um, but he realized he could actually, yeah, enjoy his full time work. And so he started looking around around P I B C and the other other teams and he uh went out to Conment with the human capital team and Um, Did some cool stuff there and then found this, this random little team called the Skills Reform Unit that no one else really knew about. And, um, yeah, once he kind of learned about what they were doing, was really inspired by um, inspired by that work. So, yeah, he really loved it.
0: So it works out for you guys quite well then to be mm. in full-time work but still doing what you do yeah, together. it actually
1: Brooklyn. does because um, we have quite a similar schedule, of course, mm. Mm. Um, and we roast coffee on Monday nights. So we make <laughs> sure we leave work <laughs> a little bit early so we can get home and then get to the roastery. Um, Where do you roast? Yeah. We roast in Abbotsford. So um, it's a space called Bureau Collective. It's mm-hmm. basically like a co-working space for coffee mm-hmm. roasters. It's, oh, my God. It's really cool. Take me there. <laughs> yeah, you can come. We can have guests. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, so we roast there. It's it's a collective, so um, there's a lot of amazing um, other roasters hanging out there that we get to, yeah, so talk, learn from. So the from. beans
0: come from Tanzania or?
1: Sometimes they do. Yep. So originally we were sourcing everything from Tanzania, yep. but that was a bit limiting. Yep. So now we source coffee from, yeah, all over the world. There's some coffee. That we're roasting from South America, um, some from East Africa, ma- mainly mainly East Africa and South America. But how do you yeah.
0: decide which coffees to bring in, and also um, how do you like decide which ones go well together?
1: So um, in coffee, well, you when you when you buy the coffee, it's it's green green coffee, um, and so. Just means it hasn't, it hasn't been roasted. It's yeah. been processed um, at origin, mm-hmm. and then it comes over.
0: So it's gone to, from it being a cherry to being a green. Yeah. Bean. So
1: it goes from a cherry to it, it gets picked um, once it's ripe. And there's a few different ways that coffee can be processed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then it's it's processed as you know, um, and then it gets shipped over to Australia. And then you got to choose the coffees. So um, there is a process uh, in coffee called cupping. So mm. it's like tasting, like similar to wine tasting.
0: Make the noise. It's a cupping noise. So
1: there's <laughs> yeah. So there's like very um, specific ways that you have to, um, you know, pour the grind the coffee, pour the coffee, all the timing. It's like all very like precise. Yeah. Um, and then you have to taste it. So there's these special spoons, and you like dip them in the coffee, and then you have to slurp it as loud as possible. Yeah.
0: What does it sound like? <laughs> so, when you start,
1: when you start, you're like really nervous and you don't want to look silly. So people are like,
0: <laughs> It's a polite slur. Yeah,
1: yeah. And you're like, Oh, that's so nice. You've, you're you new. <laughs> Let's get into this.
0: That's how and, you know they're a rookie uh, yeah, coffee tester. Yes, yes. The I mean, slurp. I still
1: definitely consider myself a rookie. I really not like massive expert in this stuff, but, um, yeah. So you got to slurp and the reason you're a slurp is because you need to make sure the coffee hits like as many of your taste buds so that you can get all of the flavors Mm. of the coffee. So then yes. And then you taste, um, And there's like a big kind of coffee tasting wheel that helps you articulate the taste because that's really hard at the beginning. I'm like, you
0: know. It tastes like uh, like, coffee. It tastes like coffee. It tastes
1: tastes nice (laughs) or it tastes like chocolatey or it tastes fruity. Um, I would have
0: thought everything is like chocolate or mulberries.
1: mm, Well... No. Got a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, then you, then you taste the coffee and um, you figure out what's going to go well if, you, if you're just roasting a single origin, which um, is just one specific um, from, one, from one specific region. Um, and then, but then if you're doing a blend like we do, then you're kind of mixing, yeah, ma- ma- mostly two. We've just mixed two different um, coffees together to make sure we're getting a good consistent.
0: So that's um, so Monday nights, then roasting night. Mm. And um, what's the other processes in the chain?
1: Well, yeah, it's just me and Matt. So everything else. Oh, you mean for the actual yeah, coffee? Like oh, okay, right. After yeah. you roast it? Yeah, so we roast um, and then selling
0: we, mainly to businesses? Yeah, yep. yeah.
1: So we pa- roast and then we pack the coffee. Yep. And, our so, cute and that's little, you and Matt packing Cute it? little bags. Yes, that's us packing. I love it. Um, And then, yeah, so we sell to office spaces. Um basically anything that has from 50 employees up to 500 employees and they're providing coffee for their staff. Um, Yeah, that's kind of, that's our main market. So, and that came about because I was working at Hub and um, I knew how much coffee they were going through. I knew how much they were paying and I knew that the quality of the coffee they were paying for was not really that great. So I was like, Hey guys, why Bring don't you us use in. it? Why don't you use our coffee? Throw us a bone. Um, and so they did, and then I thought, okay, maybe this is there's something here because up until that point we had been just targeting cafes, which was really hard. Yeah, and um, we really weren't getting very far with well, that's those a conversations. Very interesting
0: um, thought process and like quite entrepreneurial. So you thought you, there was one market, it turned out to be a completely different market. Yeah,
1: I thought I thought cafes were going to be falling over themselves, yeah, yeah. wanting to use yeah. this amazing social enterprise, yep. ethical coffee. Yep. But it didn't go that way Um, and then so we were just selling online retail and, um, yeah, and then I thought, okay, well, there's all these offices and I'm working in the city and look at all these buildings. They've all got hundreds and hundreds of people in them and every floor has a coffee machine and so that coffee is coming from somewhere Mm. Um, and, yeah, as the the more conversations I had with, you know, office managers or procurement professionals or, you know. Would you
0: reach out to them or how do you start those conversations?
1: Um, yeah, just reaching out to them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we're, we're we're a certified B Corp, so yep. um, that was definitely a big in with uh, all the other B Corps yep. in in um, Australia. We reached out to all of them as soon as we became certified. So most of our clients are other B Corps, which is really oh, cool.
0: Great. Yeah, cool.
1: yeah, it's really awesome. It's an amazing community. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just is just kind of well, that's cold, enough cold emails.
0: But that's good critical mass. I feel like once you hit mm. up all the B Corps and you've got so many of them, mm. um, you know, they know a lot of non B Corp businesses, and it's kind of like. They become your
1: promoters. Yeah, as well. yeah. So we started with co-working spaces. So we're in a couple of co-working spaces, and then we and then we moved on to B Corps, mm-hmm. and then we've kind of just, I guess, how we've run our, um, you know, marketing campaigns is, as soon as we, you know, there was one one B Corp that we um, that we supply to, who's a architecture firm. So we're mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. Let's like contact all other architecture firms, and so we kind of just like go by industry. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, a lot of these people are just buying, you know, coffee from Coles or they are just doing whatever the person before them did for the coffee yep. and usually it's pretty crap and these these businesses want their employees to be um, you know, staying inside for coffee, talking to their colleagues, um not wasting too much time going to the coffee shop around yeah, the corner. Yeah, yeah. So there's incentive for them to provide you know, high quality, high quality coffee in house.
0: Your coffee is yeah. also resonating with the sort of uh, business positioning to be, yeah. become more sort of conscious business. Yeah,
1: it solves it solves a couple of problems for them with that. You yeah. know, um, they want to, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's good or bad reasons, they want to be seen to be doing good in the world, mm. um, and so. Yeah, they, we kind of let them do what they're good at, and we do what we're good at, which is coffee and and running these programs in Tanzania. So um, we get to marry the two, and
0: yeah, it's how much do you think it's helped your um, the growth of your enterprise to be a social enterprise and B Corp?
1: Um. Well, yeah, a lot. I guess I've never really thought of thought about what if it wasn't like that. Um. Definitely in Melbourne there's a lot of coffee as we know. Yep. Um so being able to differentiate ourselves has been ourselves has been really important. Um definitely for the business world having the B Corp certification has been very, very valuable. Mm. Um, which I wasn't expecting. I just wanted us to be a B Corp because that made sense to me and I love the movement. So um I was very surprised when um it became like quite a, you know, um financially good idea, um, with, you know, a high return. So, um, yeah, I think those two things have definitely, definitely helped. Um, and also to engage staff as well, because companies are really wanting to, yeah, wanting to, um, inspire their staff and, um, especially with millennials now, they, they expect more from, from their workplaces to, be to be doing more and have a more holistic approach to um, their impact. So well, I think they won't be able... making
0: impact all the time, absolutely. Exactly,
1: yeah. yeah. So being able to communicate that to their staff by like, hey, look at our like awesome purchasing decision um and us being able to Yeah, give them the tell tell them the results, I think um yeah, it really makes a difference as well.
0: So mm. talk us through a bit about how um, a purchase of a bag of monochrome coffee or, you know, mm. meat being supplied as a business by monochrome for a year mm-hmm. uh, translates to impact and sort of what percentages are we talking go to the Tanzanian families or schools?
1: Mm. So, well, I guess um, let me let me try and break it down. for. So there's I wouldn't the, need
0: an exact answer. I'm just curious as to how it kind of, um, you know, the change happens.
1: Mm. You know? So basically um, to send one kid to school for a year, is twelve hundred dollars. We can literally send them an invoice and be like, "Hey, this is this is what this is the amount of education days that you guys have funded." That's
0: very cool. Yeah, so yeah. it's very translatable. I like mm, that. Mm. When you can make something an impact like that, it's tied to a product and it just creates um, such a clear result abroad. I think that's very powerful. Mm. And I think yeah. how you sort of show that on your website too is very cool, like that sort of impact dashboard look you've got. And um, well done on having an epic website too. Oh,
1: thank you. That's yeah. very kind. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's very, very, uh, very refreshing and very – brought me right in.
1: Oh, awesome. Well, Matt did all of it. So go Matt. go Matt. Go Matt. He'd never made a website before, and then he made a really amazing one. So
0: so what should we be excited about when it comes to monochrome uh, over the next year?
1: Oh, what should we be excited about?
0: I mean, we're definitely excited about the cupping and being invited to cuppings <laughs> by you.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Join us <laughs> um, for the slurping action. Um, Quite seriously,
0: though, do you think you'd ever do anything a bit more like bringing the community in on the coffee social enterprise journey a little bit? Like if you if you did mm, an event, like mm, you ran a cupping event and invited, uh, you know, people along. I mean, yes. I mean, well, I would cut the out of that. I
1: think, um, yeah, I think definitely – that is going to be a massive benefit once we are um, working in the business. Yeah. Um, out, you know, in normal hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, we're super, super excited to to be able to um, so your do stuff like that. So is your goal over
0: the next few years to push into the business? Yeah, yep. for sure,
1: for sure. Yep. Definitely um, for myself I'm – I don't really, yeah, I don't really have a timeline at the moment because, as I said, I do really love working at Hub and I get a lot out of that. And
0: yeah, um, and that's very and the, important, I feel, to have that kind of balance mm, and diversity in your um, things you do.
1: Yeah, um, but yeah, in terms of things to be excited about, um, well, yeah, for us to be expanding, expanding the impact, um, expanding the amount of uh, kids that we're sending to school because mm-hmm. that's the that's the biggest thing, um, and then also really, um, we're going to be training Hendry up to, um, run the empowering parenting seminars so that mm. that can happen all, all throughout the year. Um, so that will be really cool. Cause that's my favorite program that we do. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, for, it's just like, you know, selling as much coffee as we can so we can make as, as big a difference as we can basically. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then, keep that, it
0: simple, keep it powerful.
1: Yeah. And in the future, I don't know if this is in the next 12 months, but I really, really would love to work with, um, young social entrepreneurs in Tanzania because they're the ones that are going to be employing these kids that we have in school at the moment. Um, they're the ones that have got the big dreams of, of the, the big amazing things that they want to do in their countries. And I really want to, um, yeah, empower them and, and make, and to, Mobilise that a little bit. So um, I know there's a yeah. couple
0: of our guests who have been in Tanzania doing work there. Why Gap um, mm. previously. Ah, in yes, Manita. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Annabelle Chauncey has been in Uganda, and I think possibly also Tanzania. So I have to see if we can connect you guys up to mm. chat further.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah.
0: Mm. So I wanted to just come back to your overall. Schedule sounds pretty hectic, but awesome. I know mm-hmm. Thursday mornings hanging out with Felicity, <laughs> boom, love that. Monday yes. night roasting. Yeah. Um, do you have any productivity hacks or tips as to how you can sort of make the most of your time?
1: Mm. Well, I schedule everything. Yep. And I have alarms and th- things that I need to like beep at me to remind me to do stuff.
0: Hey, what's your scheduling process? It goes straight in the Google Calendar or your work calendar?
1: Um, yeah, Google Calendar. And then I also use Trello a yep. lot. Um so Matt and I generally sit down on a Sunday night and create our, what we call action points for the week. Um, and so I have a Trello board that just has all the different areas of life. So I've got one for Monochrome International, Monochrome Coffee Co, Hub, uh, Health and Fitness, um, Personal or like Friendships. Uh, what else do I have? I think that's the main ones that I have. And then I have like all the, all the stuff that I need to do for the week. And, and then you I have you found
0: Trello to be very effective?
1: Mm, yeah, I love Trello because you can tick things off and then it goes green when it's all ticked. <laughs> you love it. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, yeah, I think that's probably in terms of kind of um, what was the term you used? Productivity hacks. Productivity hacks. hacks. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. really have that. It's just I think it's just being disciplined about what I take on.
0: Um, so are you saying no more than you used to or how do you get better at that?
1: Um, I do I don't think I say no more. Oh, do I? I don't really. I'm, I don't think so. I, I think you're
0: a bit too nice to say no too often. Like I feel like you you are generally a, mm, probably more of a yes person.
1: Yeah, I just. I guess it's just. I'm just. I assess opportunities that come my way, and yeah, if it if it doesn't fit in with the overall kind of plan, then it's a clear no, and I'm like I am happy to. You know, say no to stuff, um, but also at the beginning of every year, my family and I would sit down and we have a, a fam bam goals day, and so we create all our goals for the year, and then we have monthly check-ins. So I find that really helpful because then I know whether I'm on track, whether if I'm not on track, where I need to work on stuff. Yep. Um So and how does a practice yeah.
0: like that begin? I mean, that's that's an amazing thing. Mm. I, I love that. But how? So was that from when you were young? You had that?
1: Yeah. That's my mum. That's yep. my mum. Yeah. She. um got us all doing that when oh my gosh how long ago maybe like 15 years ago yeah my sibling my younger siblings were like really really young so their goals were hilarious their goals were like (laughs) keep the chooks alive like I don't know because where we lived there was like dingoes would come and like eat the chooks or whatever and so my sister's a big animal (laughs) the goals were hilarious, and we ke- and we've kept them all. My oh, mum's like meticulously so kept these goals oh. and the handwritten, you know goals about chooks.
0: Stained um, by crayon and dirt. And, yeah, you know. exactly,
1: exactly. And, you know, spaghetti or whatever <laughs> while we're having dinner. So yeah, that's my mum. She she got us doing that. And and we all used to um, kind of resist it when we were young. We'd be like, mum, we don't want to do this stuff. Like it's boring. Um, but now I'm so happy that she stood for us to do that because it's such awesome memories. And, um, and yeah, a lot of us have uh, I'm one of four, and mm. um, yeah, a lot of us is like have like accomplished some really cool stuff and you seem in our very life so far.
0: Goal oriented, so uh, uh, all of mm. you kind of like you like very sort of goal oriented and tracking stuff, and regularly checking in about what your goals are and sharing that. Yeah, accountability. well,
1: we have that structure. Yeah. Like we have that structure with the the monthly the monthly calls where we all get on whatever Zoom or Google Hangout. Whatever we do, it's mm. hilarious. Um, so I think that definitely. Has us all um, really think about our year and what we're going to what we're going to set out to accomplish, um, and yeah, and then it's really cool because we get to hold each other accountable and know what's actually important to each other for the for that year. So um, yeah, it's really fun.
0: Awesome, mm. awesome. Now, do you want to leave us with any uh, golden nuggets of wisdom for those would be budding entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs mm. out
1: there? I. What do I want to leave? So I think
0: it well, was something you said earlier, if I can give you a little pop Yes, prompt, please remind it was, me. <laughs> it was kind of like the Nike Swish slogan a little bit. Uh, if, if you're in doubt about anything, um, you should just do it.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes, I did say that. I um, shouldn't
0: put advice into your mouth, but like that, that was some of your advice earlier yeah. really that I really liked.
1: Yeah, I think that um, often we kind of think, oh, we've got to wait for – something to happen. We're going to wait to have some kind of experience or we're going to wait to until we have lived to be able to do the thing that we want to do. Um, but I just really think that that stuff that you want to do does become part of your your journey and your life story. And if you don't if you don't do it now, like when, you know, why, why not? Um, and especially for young people as well. I'm really, really passionate about young people realizing what they love and, um, and getting really good at that thing and then doing it every day. Um, and it's okay if that thing changes as well. Um, I'm sure that, you know, monochrome won't be the thing that I do forever. Um, or maybe it will, I don't know. Um, but yeah, just actually giving things a crack, and if you don't like it, you can you can always you can always change your mind. But that, it's really important that um, that whatever the thing is that you're doing is about other people, yeah. Because I think that's the thing that really is going to keep you going and um, and hold you accountable. You know, there's a lot of times where I would have just like much preferred to be doing something else, yeah. but I am reminded why I do what I do because of the, the amazing, amazing communities that I get to work with. So, yeah. That's mm.
0: a lovely way to end us off with that sentiment, elevating the power of helping others and putting others first. Mm. So thank you so much for coming on the pod, with
1: No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Pleasure.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player. You can check out some of our previous episodes at humansofpurpose.com.au. We'd also love you to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others find out about the show. If you're interested in sharing your products or services with our community, email us at hello@purposeful.com.au.